Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Movie Reel, brought to you by Loud Thumbs Podcast, where we'll bring you um, discussions, recommendations, spoiler-free, and spoiler warning involved as well. Uh, every episode, every Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in and uh, checking us out. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man 2, uh, the Sam Raimi one. So we're going to bring back some Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Man's in the news again, so we're going to go a little old school and talk about a favorite of ours for sure. So this will be a good time. And uh, to join me in doing that, we're going to have uh, Trevor on the show again. He is back. So thanks for joining us again here, man. Hi, guys. Hey, Nick. Thank you for uh, taking me out of Loud Thumbs Basement. Um, to let me come back on the show. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're having a good time. We are too. So, and we appreciate everybody on the feedback. We got some really good feedback on the, on the movie reel and yes. it's been going really, really well. So we really, really appreciate that. And like we start off every episode of the movie reel, we're going to give you a recommendation, something maybe we've been watching and just yeah. kind of watch out for or check it out. So Trevor's got a recommendation today. What'd you bring to the show, buddy? I got kind of a Debbie Downer this week. Um, it's a very personal movie for me. Um, it's called 50-50, um, directed by Jonathan Levine, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen. Um, I've lost a lot of people to cancer in my life, my mom, my grandma, my grandfather. And in this movie, Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets cancer and the prognosis is 50-50. Mm. I, I think the movie did really well. Um, Will Reznor, Reznor, who directed it, it's semi-autobiographical to where Gordon Levitt is him and Seth Rogen is actually his real life friend at the time. Um, and he actually has the same cancer too. So it's, it's very, it's very on the nose and what he does with this movie makes it super, he doesn't, it's a very touchy subject cancer and he does mm -hmm. such a good job at maneuvering when to be funny, when to be ridiculous, but when to really hit at home on how important, how big cancer is. And mm. Throughout the movie, and with my experience with cancer, um, he has like this overprotective mother. He has a father with Alzheimer's. Um, Seth Rogen kind of doesn't care. You get this vibe throughout the movie that he basically just wants to keep smoking weed and huh. getting girls. And um, that comes to a head where you find out that he was actually his biggest supporter. And it's a great, it's a great moment because from seeing that like with my mother and stuff, um, you tend to feel like nobody's on your side and you feel like cancer is just completely kicking your butt. Mm, and yeah. those little moments can really, really push you forward. And I'm a big fan of Jonathan Levine. Um, I've seen all of his work um, from Warm Bodies, the Romeo and Juliet zombie movie mm. to um, uh, he did this and then Night Before, um, which is also a really good movie about growing up and how hard it can be. And just the way they navigate it, they take it seriously, they make it funny. Um, I cry probably every time I see this movie. Mm -hmm. um, there's a scene um, where he's going to go get, he's going to go have um, the surgery and he's trying to say goodbye to his family because he thinks he's going to die in the operating table and his dad has Alzheimer's and he's trying to say goodbye to him but his dad has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, his mother just like, is basically like holding off the doctors, not letting him go. And I break down probably every time at that scene and it's the way that they play it like that to me is the most beautiful thing about this movie and looking into it, I was doing some research on it before the show. And I don't know how true it is. Hollywood reporter did an article about how the Mayo clinic actually teaches this movie um, to oh. doctors about how to handle um, younger patients and how to give them this absolute life threatening life altering um, talk because in the movie, the doctor pretty much just says, Hey, do you have cancer? 
get out of my office. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it, it, and he's absolutely devastated because he's a super healthy guy. Mm. And I was interested to find that out. I can't find anything that says if it's true or not, but I, I trust the Hollywood reporter. Um, sure. But that was also from nine years ago. But yeah. Um, yeah. That, That's cool. Again, a very personal film. And I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer this week, guys. <laughs> it's on Hulu. If you want to watch a just absolutely touching movie about a horrible subject, um, 50 50 is really hard to beat. Um, you can maybe become a fan of Jonathan Levine like me through this movie. Um, Will Reznor has not done anything else outside of this. This is basically his only film. Um, oh. Seth Rogen's at his absolute best in this movie. Um, I think I think Seth Rogen really plays best in these supporting roles. He kind of struggles as a lead man, but um, mm. he absolutely kills it. Um, Ani Kendrick um, as his therapist is fantastic. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this movie, and I hope you guys really love it too because it's it's really damn good. Cool. And um, on a brighter note, Nick, yeah, um, I think you have a more a more happier note on your on your uh, selection. Once you uh, tell us what it's about. Yeah, it definitely, I think, uh, trumps yours and happiness because that does sound like a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, a, a very hard-hitting <laughs> type movie. But those movies it's, that hit hard like that actually yeah. mean a lot. So that that's good. Those are the people. Those are the ones that hang with you, which is a, definitely a good thing. So I might have to check that one out. So it definitely sounds interesting. I haven't seen that one yet. So awesome. I do have uh, one to bring. Um, I am going with an Apple TV show this week, and it is uh, The Morning Show. So yeah. it is uh, It is one of the more originals, I guess I should say, that came out pretty early on when Apple TV uh, Plus, Apple TV Plus came out. And this is the one with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell and Reese Witherspoon. And it's, um, it's, it's a little bit hard hitting. It's dramatic for sure in, in parts of it. What it does is totally different than what I expected. I expected, you know, just kind of like the news, um, which I think that that show, um, man, I can't remember what channel it was on, but I feel like it was an HBO show, but it's called the newsroom. I felt like it might be something oh, along those lines. HBO, it was HBO. So I was right there. Um, mm -hmm. so I kind of felt like it might be along those lines, um, with a little comedy mixed in and stuff. Ah, there's not a lot of comedy in this movie. So there's, it's pretty hard hitting with, uh, with the, the, just the overall feeling of it. What they do is they take on, um, you know, sexual misconduct and harassment and stuff in this and just light spoilers. I'll go over nothing. You wouldn't not, you know, find on you know, Wikipedia or anything, but Steve Carell's character is, put in the limelight there's um a story that leaks to the press about him doing things with women that uh this newsroom the uba is the name of these like their cbs you know has um covered it up and allowed it to happen and he's now you know being fired and his name's being run through you know mud like all over the place and he's obviously not happy about it he feels like everything was consensual and he didn't do anything wrong. And that's not how anybody else sees it. Clearly the public doesn't see it that way. And they really shine it in a different light. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's character is his on-screen. Uh, they just say on-screen wife because essentially they're a morning show personalities. Right. They've been together for 15 years and they just have really good rapport and, and back and forth. And the audience loves them. I mean, their ratings are great. And what you find out is you find out there's a lot of corporate maliciousness and greed and everything happening in the background. They, 
they think that they need to do something to get these people off the show and bring in new people. And they just do it in a way that's just so backstabbing, conniving that really keeps you wanting to watch like who's going to get it next is the person you you're hoping for going to get it instead of, you know, the ones you're seeing getting stabbed all the time that are trying to do the right thing. Um, Reese Witherspoon's character is kind of a just freelance reporter in a way who blows up on Twitter at one point in the episode and they kind of catch wind of her and they need somebody to fill in for Steve Carell's character, which his name is Mitch in the show. So there's a bunch of back end stuff that happens there and she ends up getting a job on the show as an, an, a lead co-anchor, which obviously pisses off a lot of other people who are looking to get the job and on and on. And you can, you can imagine, but the show takes a, a lot on. And uh, we were kind of talking in the pre-show a little bit about this, but it, it kind of turns into a freight train. Like it just, just keeps rolling and it keeps going faster and faster. It's one of those shows you hang on to the end. And I mean, you're hanging on, like what is going to happen? Like you don't know when this train's going to stop or how it's going to stop or what it's going to hit. So, and it, it gets really, really hard hitting at the end um, with a, a few things you just don't see happening. And it ends in a note where kind of made the, uh, the comparison. It kind of ends as if like Avengers Endgame ended where there's all of this, you know, rubble and, you know, everything in Sokovia in Avengers Endgame that has affected the world in a way that you find out in Civil War how it's affected the world. That's how I feel season two of the morning show is going to be. There is some things that happen that have affected this whole network and the view of them and a couple doors have been opened and you don't know which doors they're going to walk through. There's there's definitely some things to look forward. Season two does start uh, the end of this week, comes out on the 17th. So when oh, you guys wow. are listening to this, you'll be able to check out season two, maybe binge season one and uh, fire in uh, season two. Apple TV so far is, it's $4.99 a month. Um, it's totally worth it so far. It's stupid cheap. And uh, I thought it, it was like, eleven dollars i had no idea it was that cheap sorry yeah no no that's fine uh, yeah 4.99 is is actually pretty impressive so um i actually only ended up getting it just because uh i own a playstation 5 and they gave it to playstation 5 owners for six months for free so why not wow so uh yeah i've i've seen quite a few shows on it and i'll bring more recommendations as as it goes on but for five bucks to just get a month's worth of it and just binge this show it this this show is easily worth you know, renting for $5 by itself and just watching the, uh, there's 10 episodes and they all run about an hour. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it does have a little bit of things that are funny here and there that I kind of chuckled at. It's definitely not a comedy, but it is definitely something you kind of open your eyes up. I was watching the final episode last night to finish the season up. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, man, this really doesn't make you want to work in this field at all. Like, you know, <laughs> like this feels pretty real that this shit really happens. And like, I don't think I want to be part of this kind of world. So it's a good one. I, I highly recommend it. And it's really good. It's interesting you say that because you mentioned newsroom and I, that's one of my literally all time favorite shows. I love the newsroom. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the contrast of that, of, of where these guys, you say, you see the dark side of the industry and mm. you kind of see that newsroom, but you, they're mainly, these guys are basically treated as superheroes, not superheroes, but you know what I mean? Like they're like 
oh man, we're breaking, breaking these, we're changing the world and all this other stuff. And yeah, it's nice to see a take on the darker side of the industry and um, anything with Steve Carell, I'll, I'll take. Yeah. I, I love yeah. That guy to death. And, and you know, it sounds, it sounds wonderful talking about Steve Carell. Like it's a character you wouldn't, you wouldn't see. I mean, he, he kills the character. He does a really, really good job, but uh, seeing him do that character, he, he really gets into it and he, he does a really good job. And obviously everybody knows him from The Office. If you're not familiar with Steve Carell and you haven't watched The Office, uh, that's the that's what he's known for. There might be younger listeners out there, but yeah, if you don't know The Office, <laughs> you're probably so. way too young for the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, really good. They, My wife particularly, she does not care for Jennifer Aniston, but as the show continued, I mean, there's a good balance between her and Reese. And as the show continued, I think, I think she kind of got over that because the show is just so like um, just enticing and intriguing and like, you know, what's going to happen next. And it just really keeps pulling and, you know, wanting you go to the next episode, go to the next episode. It's a real quick one. You could just sit down and binge in a weekend. So the morning show, Apple TV plus check it out. It's, it's definitely a recommendation. Four ninety nine. Right. That's dirt cheap. Yeah. Right. Four ninety nine a month. That, right now you can't beat it can't beat it there's at least five shows on it so you're paying a dollar a month for a show uh if five shows for for me for sure and i plan to bring more of those to the episodes and talk about them as i get more of them watched but yeah and two weeks two weeks or last time i was on the show your pick was also from apple tv so Mm -hmm. um, yep big uh, advocate for the yes Yep, absolutely. So you might get sick of hearing that HBO Max and Apple Apple TV Plus are are two of my big ones. <laughs> we watch, but you know what? The the pair of them is twenty bucks a month, and that's really good. So there's just really good content on both of them. So the last episode, my mine was HBO Max when I when I did the episode with Fifth Element with Sam. So if you want to tune in and listen to that one, that was a good episode as well. So tune in for those. So the reason you guys all came. Did some clicking on the thing, right? Uh, we're gonna be talking some Spider-Man. The greatest two. superhero movie ever made. We'll go into it. I'm yes. Very excited. Yes, yes, absolutely. Talk about one that just I would say you could almost say started it all, right? You know, with without the no, I, Raimi Spider-Man franchise, yep. it just started a ball and it just kept rolling from there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think you can name. I guess you have like Blade Two and um, oh my, there's another one I can't think of, but maybe X Men. But mm. nothing really, I think, hit as hard as Spider Man Two as far as a colossal success in the superhero genre. Because back then in 2004, superhero movies were just a uh, they weren't like what they are today. Not even no, they're like a niche. And, they were a very niche thing back then. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, almost a liability to make one because you didn't know if you're going to get your return on it. Right, because they and, were expensive. Um, movie, <laughs> yes. And I think this movie succeeded, um, in my opinion. But mm. Well, I'll give a quick synopsis of the movie for anybody who may not have seen it. Uh, definitely go back and check these out. All three of them are worth watching, honestly. But I will have to say two two really hits hits the mark. It's the best. Yeah. Uh, Peter Parker is a struggling, he's struggling to manage both his life and his life as Spider-Man. Meanwhile, Dr. Octavius, uh, he becomes a diabolical villain after failed experiment leaves neurological uh, tentacles fused to his back. Spider-Man must stop him from recreating this dangerous experiment while dealing with subconsciously desiring to stop being Spider-Man. Uh, it's stripping of him of his powers. So it's, 
it's a couple, well, it's a bunch of things, honestly, going on in this movie. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, the movie was uh, received very well. It had a 93% overall from critics. Uh, fans enjoyed it 82%. So overall, it was, uh, it was well received. No, it did, did its job, made a lot of money. It, uh, it had a budget of 200 million, made $789 million. So it seems low. I don't know. I, back I, know, I then, right? Like, I guess it was 2004. <laughs> yeah, true. It, it's, it's a lot back then. But yeah. Like now, I feel like it'd be pushing, let's say, a billion. But oh, easy, easy over a billion now for sure. I mean, that's what the, the new, the two new Spider Mans easily did over a billion already. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure, they're a little bit more expensive to make, but we all know why that is too. So, yes, I mean, Peter has a lot to struggle with in this movie, right? He's got, you know, a bunch of things happening. He's got a, a, a mentor of his who is kind of turned evil. Uh, he is now has to fight. And he has he has uh, Harry, who is his best friend, who's just obsessed with trying to find Spider-Man mm -hmm. from killing his father from the first movie. Right. And he's, he's got that mental struggle going on where he doesn't know if he wants to continue to be Spider-Man or if he wants to just be Peter and, you know, have, you know, potentially Mary Jane in his life and, and just not worry about being a superhero anymore. Um, so a lot going on for this kid. <laughs> yeah. And I think this movie out of any one, two, three, and then all the other movies, this movie really hit home what made spider-man so popular as a comic book because in the comics well, he was like you know you had batman and stuff like you know rich um successful people he was just a kid who got bit and got powers and this movie better than any other spider-man movie captures the um he just wants to be a kid but is this absolutely burdened with this responsibility of spider-man to the point where he doesn't want to do it anymore and i think that's what mm. really makes this movie shine because Peter Parker's the main character of this movie. Spider-Man is almost secondary. And I really think that that kind of a storyline did bleed over into the MCU with Iron Man 3, because that's the movie where Iron Man really, or Tony Stark really decides that I shouldn't just be Iron Man. I need to be Tony Stark first. And that theme is the number one thing in this movie is really he needs to be Peter Parker first. And a little bit in Winter Soldier. Um, I said, I kind of, I say a little bit on the Winter Soldier side because um that's more of a steve rogers and bucky barnes kind of movie than it is a um more spy movie than it is anything but yeah it's, they're more human stories they're more human stories than these grand superhero stories that we see now where thanos is snapping half the world away they're more grounded right. in, in a reality that really we can connect with a little bit more mm -hmm. how do you feel about that yeah i, I would agree with that like a lot of people probably wouldn't think about it until they've watched it and go, you know what? Spider-Man doesn't have a whole lot of screen time in this movie. You know, it's Peter is on the screen a lot in this movie and it is because of that. And it, it's kind of like, um, I mean, maybe it's not a great reference, but it's the one I always think of when I watch these movies is I think of, you know, the original trilogy of the star Wars you know, four five and six with a new hope and then empire and then Jedi. This, this is a solid empire for Spider-Man. You know what I mean? It's a great second act oh, yeah, for sure. that like just takes him through the ringer, takes him through all the, all the phases that you want to see him go through and really find out where he is overall as, as a, as a person, as a superhero and you know, everything. And on top of that, you actually, get to see 
the same from all of the supporting characters. You see Mary Jane kind of go through the same thing. You see Aunt May go through the same thing. You see Harry go through the same thing. Now, their journeys all continue to a point where they have developed in a way, and we'll save that for the spoilers just in case, but maybe some are good, maybe some are bad. And I, I think that gets missed a lot that, you know, these characters themselves are all changing they're all accepting something new into their lives to grow from it and it's a very big movie of growth like you just see everyone kind of grow a little bit more and i think that's probably why i like it the most out of the three because it just it does all of those things just really well it's just very cut out evenly and it's very well paced and there's the fun comedy bits and stuff in it with, you know, the raindrops on my head and all that kind of stuff. Those scenes so are I got great. To say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. No. So I, I personally feel like the tomato, uh, the 82% from audiences might be a little low. And mm. I was petty. I was a little petty last night. And I was looking at why people thought it was so low and mm-hmm. people thought it was too campy too campy and too um silly with the raindrops falling on my head yeah which is actually it's stupid but it's it's pure sam raimi and i love him so yes. much and what i think from like his perspective like when it has that stupid freeze frame and stuff like that <laughs> like peter's like almost projecting like it's almost this fantasy world he's in because he he wants to keep telling himself that this is the right choice for me i need to be without spider-man um, so that's why it's so cheesy and so stupid is because he's trying to tell himself this and trying to forcefully make himself happy. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little cringy, but uh, a little campy, <laughs> but uh, it definitely has a purpose and I, um, I love it for it. And uh, it's just such a silly scene and the dance scene in the third movie. Um, yes. Uh, the emo Spider-Man, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel it has a purpose for even how silly it actually is. But that's Agreed. all I have to say about the yeah. job scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is very Sam Raimi. You're right. You're right. And you just got to look at that and and understand that as a movie audience and yeah. going to the movie itself. Right. Which from from like a normal you take a look at the MC, a normal MCU viewer going back and watching Spider-Man 2 directed by the Evil Dead creator is um, <laughs> just a weird thing to say because now they're almost I mean, they've dabbled in indie directors and like um I Oh my goodness, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, that was directed by, they did Lars and the Real Girl with Ryan Gosling. Mm, yeah. Guy who dates a mannequin. Like, they've breached out, branched, branched out to indie develop- directors, but mm-hmm. Sam Raimi as a director of Spider-Man, like, that's insane because he was, he was evil dead, he was <laughs> indie, he was practical effects, and I, I think people might not recognize why the movie the way it is because you're so used to this polish, this plan, and Sam Raimi might put it on its head a little bit. So I am curious how he does Doctor Strange. Um, if he yeah. does kind of keep that little campiness aspect of it, but we'll see. I, I, yeah. I'm very excited for that, but we can talk about it later. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point to make because, you know, for people out there that may not know, Sam Raimi is directing the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that is a big, big deal, and it's new. So we'll see how that ends up going. All right. Well, hey, I think maybe we can get into some spoiler stuff because you can, you clearly can tell we enjoy the movie. Yeah. So it's been hard to talk about it without talking like the best scenes of the movie <laughs> give off the best parts about the movie. And it's yeah, so we, we pretty much have to talk about spoilers, which it's hard to do a spoiler free um, 
talk about any movie almost. Right. Absolutely is. So we'll get into that and just be warned. If you haven't seen it, go give it a little watch and come back and join the second part of the show here for uh, some spoiler warnings ahead. So steer clear. So let me, let me know, man, what, go for it. What's your, what's your take? Let's go for everything. So um, as I said, uh, it's the best superhero movie ever made. And it's because of Dr. Octavius. Mm. Um, one of the best villains in superhero movie history. I mean, mm-hmm. you can say Killmonger might be the only one who's close as far as um, being as human. Yeah. Because um, like, he, he's just a scientist who wants to help the world and um, just kind of makes him go a little bit on the crazy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a uh, absolute... As far as like spoilers on it, I, his death is bullcrap if they're going to do this on the new Superman movie. I'm not very happy about it because if they're pulling him from his death, then his redemption means nothing. Yeah. Because the whole point about his character and how much I love about his character is that split second where he, Spider-Man reveals himself and says, you know, hey, I'm Peter. And he's like, brilliant but lazy. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's a great scene. And he, he kills himself to save the world because he knows what he's created and what he's done. And it just seems silly for them to completely ruin that character development because it's literally why I love him as a villain so much because he's one of the few superhero villains who have a redemption arc. I want to usually just mm, die before yeah. anything happens. So right, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how they do about that. But Yeah. And, you know, I've thought about that too, obviously with theory, theory territory and stuff, you know, with him being pulled from this yeah. universe of Spider-Man and going into the MCU universe of Spider-Man, will they pull him like, right after the surgery like you know we see the surgery cut scene and instead of him showing up in you know the you know warehouse that's all tore down and and everything on the on the water will he somehow be pulled out of that universe into ours for the mcu and he he will not know the difference in spider-man's he'll just know he's in a different universe with spider-man so maybe we get to see something similar i i'm maybe i'm maybe i'm blinded by it you know but i i'm really confident in in marvel and kevin feige and and everything they've been doing so maybe i'm not seeing it clearly maybe they'll maybe they'll screw it up but i don't think they will but i really hope they do a good job like you said i agree in my notes as well i have down that doc ock especially seeing this doc ock and how he was done you, you can't change it like they they did the right thing somehow working him into mcu because you know he is perfect as this this character this character i mean he nails it and it is a great overall character even written character you know like he he's just got yeah. a really great story you're absolutely right one of my one of my favorite spider-man villains for sure probably my spa- my favorite spider-man villain honestly like probably even tops venom if i had to say for sure I, doc ock would be the winner yeah 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 i agree i I don't want to talk too much about No Way Home because I think that's a disservice to what we're talking about Spider-Man right. 2. But, yeah. Um, I, I really hope that they capture what made him so good. But I, I, I heard that they're pulling him from the point of his death. So hmm. that means either right before or he, as he's drowning, if they pull him out. Yeah. Um, so does he have that re- does he have that redemption arc? Are they going to do a 360 and Doc Ock is not a bad guy in this movie and he actually helps Peter? Mm. I'm just throwing stupid theories out there, but I, I don't know. I, his redemption is what makes him such a good character. Um, oh. And 
hundred percent. Going on about Dr. Rock. I, 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 I want to move away from No Way Home because I don't want this to be the No Way Home podcast, but um, <laughs> we'll the, do the, that one later. My favorite, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my favorite scene in this movie um, is the um, hospital scene. Nail it. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, they're going to remove him and it just goes full on evil dead mode. Sam Raimi at his darkest. Um, I love that movie, that scene so much with the chainsaw and all. <laughs> um, my dog is making an appearance. I apologize. No biggie. Um, you know, he loves Spider-Man too. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's such a beautifully done scene. And I love that they gave Sam Raimi this, this reign to just do that in this movie. Because it really doesn't fit. It's kind of a weird scene. But it's beautiful and I loved it so much. What's your oh, favorite yeah. scene? I, I kind of felt like that scene needed to be in it though. And it was done perfectly. It's such a good scene. Uh, yeah, that's that's obviously on one of my notes as well. It's just uh, that yeah. it, it had to be in there. It's a Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi's great at horror. They were really showing you how bad of a, or how good of a bad guy, you know, like really how evil he yeah. is going to become and how quickly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I loved it as well. Um, I do really like that scene. When I think about this movie, that's one of the first scenes that comes to mind, honestly. Um, my, yeah. my favorite scene in the whole movie, though, honestly, is, is it's the train scene. I just love that whole sequence. Yeah, obviously. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I'm the, oh, easy choice, Nick. You know, I'm that guy. So, <laughs> but it's iconic, I do. Though. Like, it's, you know, you're right. I don't mean to interrupt. It's just, it's oh, iconic. It's the CGI, the special effects. I mean, the everything about that scene is amazing leading up to the face reveal, the um, stopping yep. of the train, one of the most iconic superhero scenes. They even recreated it in the first Spider-Man with the Tom Holland um, yes. holding the boat together. It's almost like his version of that. Right, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, love I, that scene, so. That is my favorite scene. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did for everybody out there, the, the episode or the, the see, I keep saying series and episodes, the version that I watched was actually the extended version. Right. So I had to look this up because I couldn't find, thought. I couldn't find the theatrical version available anywhere just to download and watch. And uh, I looked it up and it's eight minutes longer is literally like a bunch of 20 second pops that just happen here and there. You know, the biggest one I could find doing research was like 51 seconds. So there's nothing major that gets added into this theatrical. Uh, what do we call it in a pre-show? You said it was a money grab, right? So money grab for that's sure, pretty yeah. much all they did here. And the train scene, they did have, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. The train scene had probably one of the only majorly noticeable ads that i enjoyed that i thought was kind of cool and it added something to the movie and that was doc ock is holding him to the rails just after he catches the two people when doc throws them at him and he webs them into the corners and he grabs spider-man and he literally starts pushing him toward toward the rails as the train's running and there's another train coming from the other side and he just he turns and looks after getting hit by like three you know somethings that are on the track and then the, the oncoming train full on just waylays the shit out of Spider-Man and he just gone. Like he just, there he goes. And I'm like, holy hell. Like I do, you don't expect that. Like when you're watching it, even me watching, I had never seen the extended version. I'm like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to somehow just like yoink and he's just going to jump to the other side and then come back off the wall onto the train again. No, the train t totally hits him. And to me, that just showed like how powerful Spider-Man is, you know, like, he he is hard to kill you know and just how 
you can see how pissed off Doc Ock really gets and why he's so mad at that point in the movie because they cut that out in the theatrical version and you know it, go, it cuts to doc and he's just you know he's making the faces and he's really really ticked off and that's at the point where he goes to the front of the train as peter's swinging back and he puts the train in full bore and rips the controls out and then peter has to stop it you know he's got the classic you have a train to catch and he jumps off you know that's just yeah those little one-liners that good stuff i, I love those oh, but that that was a cool added scene the rest of it was just a little bit of dialogue here and there maybe a small scene or so but nothing nothing worth it but that that train scenes yeah it's it's iconic it's epic it's it's probably one of the best superhero saves done and yeah. had a I had did. a great payoff with the uh you know, with everybody seeing that he was just a kid and people relating, you know, he's just, you know, he's like my son and, you know, all that. Right. And and then the the two little kids right. are like, you know, we won't tell anybody. And you're kind of like, New York's got his back. That's awesome. You know right. what I mean? And then Doc Ock just yeets him apart. Yep. Like, you got to go through me. <laughs> yeah. You just like, room this basically. Very well. <laughs> Very <laughs> well. That's <laughs> yep. it's as easy as that. Uh, Hell yeah. It was you saying that. I, I'm assuming you know there's probably some pacing thing or whatever. I don't know why they didn't leave that in because the whole point of that scene is that Peter's unmatched and he's getting absolutely rocked to the mm. point where he almost sacrifices himself to save all these people. Why they wouldn't leave him in that he's just getting battered even more. But I'm sure it was probably like I said a pacing thing or probably was the special effect done? Oh yeah, like, did it look good? Like, oh yeah. It, okay, okay, good. Because sometimes they'll in these they'll put in like the unfinished special effects and it looks like yeah. a cardboard box or whatever. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Or you can tell just the total difference because it's not quite seamless. No, this one was done. Like it looked right, good. Exactly. It looked good. I was, I was happy with it. And I was kind of, it was one of those moments for me. I was like, Oh damn, that should have been the movie. I, it's the first thing I thought about. So yeah, it, it sounds like it should have been. Yeah. And then I, obviously I want to talk about some of the comedy in the movie. Cause I think the comedy's great. You know, they first things first yeah. is the, the freaking landlord man like that dude that dude rent rent you know like that fix my damn door <laughs> exactly right he gets he loses it at the one point and you know his daughter is so sweet Wait, he's that... just such a jerk and um i think the fix my damn door is in the third movie honestly um that's what i thought yeah but it's still it. the yeah, same guy they brought him back right. they brought that guy yeah. back that character and i i think his character is hilarious it does add some of that good comedy um the scene with when when peter's decided to stop being spider-man obviously the raindrops fall on my head that scene's great but in that little deal is when he when he uh, is fixing his his motor scooter and it flips and flies yeah. out over the balcony and hits the dude you know yeah. and he's like i'm gonna kill you and he's just like i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> so i mean it's got good comedy and it's really really well paced and the comedy's not so much and these people calling it cheesy and campy and all that kind of stuff they need to sit down and watch it again and look i mean it's not all yeah, over the place it plays. it plays real well and and it was done in the right spots and it was it was really good so I, I laugh a lot at this movie. I remember playing this movie a lot when I was at work and uh, when I worked yeah. in retail and, and it was always on and we always had a good laugh, you know, stop for 30 seconds and laugh at a scene that we remembered and stuff. So it's, it's great. It, it's probably one of the, the funnier, honestly, what probably, if you don't count guardians, which is meant to be funny. Um, it's probably one of the right. funnier Marvel movies out there, honestly, you know, if you think about it. Do you, um, you were in mid saying that I had a beautiful moment pop in my head of um, 
J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man outfit, like yes. sitting on his desk, like doing the web series. <laughs> oh my god! It's so, oh, I totally forgot about that scene. And it yes, is beautiful. Oh my god! And they're all looking yeah, through the blinds a, at him. Hilarious movie. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It is. It's very funny. It. It. I mean, my my kids have never seen it before, and I, obviously, I'm watching it because I want to do a podcast on it, and I love movies anyway. And yeah, it's it's more in a way it might be considered homework to some people, but I'm like, nah, I can just sit here and watch movies all day. Uh, and they yeah, popped out sure. and sat down. And my daughter, you know, she she had to go to bed, and she goes, "Can I sit and watch? And can I finish it?" And I'm like, "Well, you got to ask your mom." you know <laughs> and she was like you better get up in the morning she's like okay so she sat and wanted just to see the ending i mean she didn't even get to see all of the good parts because she was you know playing with her brother and stuff but yeah like uh to be able to pull a little seven-year-old in to want to sit and watch the movie that's that says something you know so yeah. plus it's got a happy ending right you know with with the whole wedding thing and and all that so but before we get into that before we get to the ending because we don't want to jump ahead too far um want to talk about harry's arc right so this is oh sure this is like uh you can start seeing the first signs like oh we're gonna have a hobgoblin something's gonna happen here you know or greek goblin 2.0 whatever you want to really call it yeah so uh, how did you feel i mean like i had mentioned earlier you you kind of see everybody grow in a way i mean harry harry grows but he grows more hateful you know what I mean? Like in a totally different way that you would want him to go, but they kind of had to. And I think a really smart choice for him to be in that kind of state of mind was Sam Raimi having Willem Dafoe come back in the mirror scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Almost as his as his antagonizer, yeah. pushing him um, to hate Spider-Man, to be this evil person, which I don't think Harry really wants to be, in my opinion, but he's almost manipulated by his father and by um the green goblin yeah like expectations and, maybe like what what he thought his father would exactly. have wanted he wants from to him. be his dad so right exactly he's right. so obsessed with his dad and wanted to be recognized by his dad he's in the first one doesn't he almost get like is he ignored by his dad in the first one like yeah. he's like trying so hard to yeah yeah okay okay yeah because he got mad yeah, at peter he really plays in the second one exactly and him wanting to go down the same road as his father to please him um from his ghost pretty much mm-hmm. it's a good arc um i uh i'm not a big fan of james franco's performance in the movie but mm. that's, we're not i'm not talking about that but um it's a it's a good it's 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 a really good arc i really like um i i don't know the way they portrayed it, it's really good i'm glad he wasn't like the main villain and i Same. like the way he was but yeah i'm glad they didn't like try to shoehorn that into um the main villain of the movie like him and doc doc Ock fight at the end or something like that i'm glad they didn't do that yeah but agreed what do you feel about it might be a weird question to ask um like in the reveal that peter parker is you know is his best friend is spider-man like i i have a funny story about that so like I, I was i was absolutely obsessed with this movie absolutely obsessed yeah. when the first movie came out i mean my house was probably two-thirds spider-man stuff all over the place i just loved it so much and it did for me what i've been waiting for for years and years you know i hadn't felt this this good about a superhero movie since the 89 batman movies so and i was only eight years old at the time when those came out so now i'm an adult i can spoil myself i can buy all this cool stuff and they mm-hmm. you know here comes the sequel trailer comes out um, I was I was freeze framing that trailer and trying to figure out who 
somebody pulls his mask off. It's like, who pulls his mask off? Who sees him? Who who's revealing? Cause I could tell he was tied up. I could see all of it. And what? it was, is, is it Doc Ock? Is it Mary Jane? Is it, you know, uh, you know, it, could it be Harry, you know, who, who knows? And it just, I, I deduced everything like, you know, where, where he was sitting, what the room looked like. I was just stupid about it, you know? And yeah. I was like, I think it's Harry. I think it's Harry. So I kind of went into the movie already thinking like, okay, Harry's going to find out that Peter is, is Spider-Man and something's going to happen. And I, I kind of felt like there would be more behind it when it happened in the movie. Like if I'm being completely honest, rewatching it and thinking about, you know, what I saw in the theater, his reaction was like completely like legitimate. And I felt like an honest reaction of how you react. Like you just don't know what to say, but right. Right. Then it was just like a little bit back and forth of like, where's Mary Jane. He's, he's going to kill Mary Jane. I got to find her. And you know, all that because of him hiring doc Ock. But then, then it was just like, you killed my father. You know, and, and that seemed a little like, okay, wait a minute. Like what's going on here. He's like, you killed my father, Peter. And I was, I kind of lost that a little bit because it didn't, maybe that was more in the performance than the writing and everything, honestly, because it just didn't feel like it really hit the way it would have, if that would have been the first thing I think that, that you would have been like, you've killed, you killed. And then you would just lose it. Like you killed my father and you start, no matter if he's Spider-Man or not, you start trying to beat the hell out of him or do something and fight him. Instead, there wasn't really anything that happened. So, so yeah, I've watched that a few times obviously probably more than a few times and that's kind of how i feels what, what about you see like talking about that okay you found out your best friend spider-man you hate spider-man because he killed your father you know by these visions you're having your father was a super villain so if your best friend spider-man then why don't you understand that you he, he killed your dad because he was a bad person mm. like you freak out like you're like peter parker himself took a gun to his dad and killed him that's basically how he takes it right and it just doesn't play for me i, I don't want to mm. dog on james franco in the role because i think it's i think it's good it just i don't like the reveal of it very much is mm. the fact that it just doesn't hit like it should it doesn't it's probably the weakest part of the movie and in, in this is my opinion i wish it hit a little harder and um made a little more i don't say it made more sense but more emotional i guess that's just how i feel yeah i think that's totally fair and i would agree with that I, I even went into the movie already kind of knowing he was going to find out, like, at least in my head, mm -hmm. I had already had that and I was right. Um, so yeah, after rewatches, I was, it's one of those points of the movie where I just, I don't even really pay a whole lot of attention to it because I almost don't want to, you know, admit that it's in the movie in a way sometimes. Uh, sure. I'd rather him like just rip the mask off and be shocked. And then, peter just take off you know what i mean and then just figure it out right. in the next movie you know that would have probably been a little bit better honestly like just leave it hang right. but um but it is what it is it happened <laughs> I, I just remembered in that scene you know he's pinned he's laying there in the barbed wire or whatever yeah was like Ooh. and then peter gets up and rips it off right like, like, to kind of kill the whole uh the whole I, oh my gosh maybe he might die in this scene or maybe he's in danger we just yeah. flexes out of the barbed wire like nothing happened he's like where's mj or whatever yeah so. yeah yeah no shit's given on that barbed wire it's like get this off me you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah what was the point of it right if he wasn't knocked out he would have done no good you might as well just left him lay there with nothing on <laughs> exactly 
So uh, the the other arc uh, I want to talk about before we get into MJ and the ending and everything, um, Aunt May, right? So on the on the other side of it, like talking about stuff playing, you know what I mean? Like you know that played really good for me, and it maybe maybe that has something yeah. to do with with you know I was I was raised by my grandma, uh, similar you know in a way to an aunt or you know everything like he had too. And just seeing how she reacted to him being honest and telling her the truth where she, you know, he literally admitted everything to her, felt terrible for it. And she couldn't say anything to him like that felt extremely on point of what would happen in any situation. And then for, you know, her to just let it go and understand that what he did was difficult and he didn't have to do it. And, you know, how it was brave of him, you know, um, I, I felt like that really showed Aunt May in her, like the true character, like her internal character of, of the character, you know what I mean? Just really what, right. what she was as a person to Peter and the story. And, and, you know, at first you're almost thinking like, what are they going to do? They're going to like somehow like try to make her like now be a bad guy to him as well. And it was just like, no, like at first that did hit me in the theater. I remember that feeling like, are you kidding me? They're really going to like take every person out of his life. And then to see, to see that turn and, and see her grow and, and see him, you know, right. be able to get his aunt back again was, was, I thought pretty cool. So well, what would you think about her and, and her overall arc that they went through with her in that? You had me thinking of Aunt May as a scorpion or something like that, like going like full super villain. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but do you think do you think she knew in the speech to Spider to Peter, um, where she's like, um, am I, am I, am I, I hope I'm not bleeding the first movie in, but where he has that she's moving out, and yeah. um, he gives her that speech about how uh, New York needs Spider Man, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's almost like a speech where you feel like she knows that he's spider-man but obviously she, he's never been revealed or anything but right she obviously we as an audience believe that she is telling her from this perspective that he knows that she knows that he is spider-man and and kind of understands his responsibility and and what he's doing with i guess the guilt of ben's death i guess but yeah i would i would done. agree it, i would agree yeah it's i like her arc um it's almost they could have played it as a spiteful like kind of hates her for the rest of the movie maybe redemption at the end mm -hmm. but the fact that he needs that in his life he needs that person who's like it's okay to be who you are and i i think she plays it beautifully what a great performance by her by the way oh my goodness i can't remember yeah. her name whoever plays i can't Anna either May. but um, yeah she she, she so steals good. scenes when she's in them that's for sure um so I have to ask this too, because this is one that always comes up for me uh, when I watch the movie every single time. I still yeah. can't really put a peg or a finger on it to say what what the what it's supposed to denounce. Okay, so the scene where he saves her from Doc Ock, and then he takes her down and lets her go, right? And then he says, "He's this. He is a Spider Man, obviously." He drops mm -hmm. her off and he says, "Well, we sure showed him." And she goes, "What do you mean we?" And he goes, oh, and then he takes off, right? So mm -hmm. what, what do you think that means? Because I look at that in so many different ways of like, he's just kind of like, okay, whatever, and leaves. Like, she's meaning it as like, 
what do you mean you didn't do anything? I I'm the one that hit him with the umbrella, right? <laughs> um, oh, or okay. oh, or or you know, what do you mean we you did all the work, Spider-Man? I didn't do anything. I always have that thought in my head, and it's never really pronounced as like, hey, this is this is what he means, or this is what Aunt May means, I should say. Nick, you just asked the toughest question I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> I was in management for eight, five, five years or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, right? I don't know. I, I, I would assume, I guess, I, that she's meaning it like she did all the work. I think that's, I think that's As a supposed joke. to be a comical thing. Where she's that's like, what I think. Yes, okay. Because yeah, that's where I always yeah, lean. Yeah. Like after the scene's over, I always just kind of chuckle at it. But then a little bit of me still yeah. like, is she being like, coy or was she was she still kind of being like well i didn't do anything what do you mean we you know what i mean like it, it still kind of plays both ways honestly it's just it's one of those ones right. i've always thought every time i watch it i'm like okay it's, she's just an old lady joking you know <laughs> yeah i with the the vibe of the movie the way everything's going the humor that's already been there i, I believe it's just a yeah it's supposed to just be a good old punchline I, I don't think i'd have a true answer unless i could ask sam raimi himself so <laughs> We'll go with that. <laughs> you know, we're going into this. We have uh, Spider-Man uh, Into the Multiverse. Is that what it's called? The animated movie? Not Into the Spider-Verse. Just right. Spider-Verse, right. You have, uh, right. You have uh, No Way Home, kind of introducing mm. the multiverse. You think we are going to see an Aunt May Spider-Man. Get 93-year-old Rosemary uh, Harris. I had to look her up. Okay. Get her in a Spider-Man outfit and have her fighting crime. That'd be, that'd be, that's the movie I want to see. I want to see a <laughs> 93-year-old actress. That's Spider-Man <laughs> in the new in a multiverse Spider-Man movie. Make it happen, please. For love yeah. of God, I, I will I will pay money to see. There you go. Do a what if? Put put Aunt May in the spider suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin Feige, write me a letter. Blank check. I'll make That's it right. happen. No worries. That's right. Heck yeah, we will. <laughs> right on. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Do a what if? Sure. Why not? It'd be easy mocap. <laughs> she won't move that fast. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you except for a phase. Right, right. <laughs> no, I I loved Aunt May in this movie. Obviously, they've taken her in a totally different direction in the MCU, but uh, sure. yeah, she she steals the show. Yeah, every time she's in a scene, she she kills it. So now on to uh, on to Mary Jane and and Peter. Right, so they're the they're the core of the movie. What uh, what what were your overall like feelings with how they did you know the whole i don't want to be spider-man i want to be with you know mary jane and you know she she's kind of rough on him you know like she doesn't really give him too many but at the same time you as an audience have to remember it's been two years and and he's kind of ignored her for two years more or less we just didn't see that on screen right right and i think it really helps at the end when he he's faced maskless and hmm. she's like that explains all the um you dodging everywhere and doing all that kind of stuff but it comes to a point where she only loves him after knowing that he's spider-man and that's why he's been so dodgy mm -hmm. so it sounds like a toxic relationship to me like <laughs> like what well, she should love him for his flaws not because mm. like oh he's spider-man i think she loves spider-man more than she loves peter parker mm -hmm. in this portrayal of, of her that's just my opinion on on how it's done i don't i don't know what you think if you think that's completely stupid but I feel like she's more in love with the fact that he is Spider-Man or Spider-Man himself than um, Peter Parker. Yeah, I think the movie maybe played that the wrong way, honestly. I, I, I do see both. Like when he went 
to the show when she unexpectedly, I mean, she had no clue he was going to show up at her play and that surprised the hell out of her. I think you could see right there. She was, she was a little taken aback. He then had that conversation with her walking down the street after they, you know, grabbed a slice of pizza or a hot dog or whatever they had. And, um, you know, he's trying to rekindle things and just make it happen again. And she goes to get into the car and, you know, he had told her, you know, I'm, I'm not just an empty seat anymore. I'm different. And she looked at him before she got in the car to leave. And she said, you are different. You know, she said it just loud enough that he probably heard it, but she was more telling herself. And I feel like, I feel like that was like the first little hint of, yeah, I I think, I think she does love Peter as well, but it was like, it took him being Spider-Man, like watching the movie. If you, if you just pay attention to that only, it took him being Spider-Man to have like, a legitimate enough reason to have to have missed the shows and stuff before she forgives him. So I think mm-hmm. that was a little crass, you know, it's like, why is, mm-hmm. what the hell? Like, you know, like, I feel like it should have been like played differently with, with him being revealed as Spider-Man. Um, but it was, it was good. I still think she did care, care for him as both. Um, I just think something about the fact that, they were one in the same did it for her uh, obviously spider-man yeah, yeah. like you said you know spider-man kind of trumped it for her but i don't know if she just loved him only so and i i they probably take some of that from comics and and input my own feelings that they just didn't portray on this on the screen i guess probably but um yeah i i did like their their chemistry was good and then they were they really worked well oh, together very good and it was a much That's, improved over the first movie. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, I guess I was looking it up. They dated um, while filming, and I think. Oh, really? I did not um, know that. That, chem- yeah. that I, I had no idea either. Um, but I think that they do have amazing chemistry. Kirsten Dunst and um, Tommy Wire. Mm-hmm. Their love is believable, and it's very well done. I just there's just a part of me that believes that. She doesn't load dirty. She doesn't like really respect him that much. That's just my my how I feel about it. But yeah, their chemistry is real and it's very good. It, I it, I think it's better than um Gwen Stacy and Andrew Garfield. Though I think Gwen Stacy oh way better in that movie, way better. Yeah, I think yes, yeah. She's a better character. They give her more to do, I guess, um, especially with um, the electro fight, and then mm. maybe even more than I believe them more than Zendaya and Tom Holland. Because that one just seems like more yeah. like their friends that kind of fall in love. I don't know if I believe that relationship quite yet. I like it, but this is the most real. This feels like a relationship. Yeah. That may be favored over Spider-Man. But yeah. And, and honestly, like we, we haven't talked about casting a whole lot, honestly. And if we make that the last thing we talk about, but it's like, I don't think they could have cast this movie any better. Um, oh, no, it's very good. From the beginning, yeah. even from the first movie. I mean, obviously, you know, making you know toby mcguire uh spider-man and kirsten dunce as a mary jane i mean it, it fit really really well and yeah, i mean even from the first movie just real quickly obviously willem dafoe is a great bad guy as well he had the right voice and, and everything and the way he acted was great Fantastic. but i mean they just killed it and for some reason i am spacing uh i'm spacing doc ox actor's name but um oh alfred molina alfred molina yeah they uh yeah. they could not have picked a better guy to play this character for sure so and i will say the only thing and this isn't a bad thing 
I wish they would do more. And I, I'm hoping they do is just kind of trying to stay with just one main villain in these movies. Yeah. I know they're going to keep spreading them because three, obviously Spider-Man three, which, you know, we may talk about in another episode was just riddled with bad guys. There was just too many. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the worst part about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were three in that one, (laughs) but, uh, I guess, I guess like, if you want to look at it, I would almost trust the MCU because they're so good at ensemble casting of, giving all these big characters screen time mm-hmm. where I think they might be able to handle it better than what Sony did with Spider-Man three, where you had, um, what, uh, Hobgoblin, Hobgoblin, uh, Sandman, Electro, Venom, not, not Electro, Venom. Yeah. I think they'll do a better job at balancing, doing the balancing act of what I assume is going to be the Sinister Six. Um, I don't know if they're going to yeah. go that route, but. Right. Right. Well, I, I just, the, and I guess the reason I say that is because, the first two Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans were amazing. And then they did the third one with multiple bad guys. And it was kind of like, eh, you know, then they did the rehash with the amazing Spider-Man. It had multiple bad guys. And then they did the second one and tried to introduce the Sinister Six. So there was more multiple bad guys. And those just never hit really well with me. Uh, So I do trust MCU more, obviously. Uh, and we have no choice. I mean, the next movie is a freaking multiverse movie. So <laughs> the next Spider-Man <laughs> will have way more bad guys than we've probably ever seen in a Spider-Man movie, right? which is good. But if we ever get back to just single standalone Spider-Man movies, I, I prefer the one-on-one. I did like, uh, you know, No Way Home and Homecoming um, having, you know, mm-hmm. their baddies in it. They were really good. And they were just one bad guy and they were really well done. So so that yeah. that's just something for me, just a personal note for me and Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about casting, and I just want to make a joke about how these kids guys are supposed to be like what 18 years old and yeah, like 18 Flash to Thompson 20 like maybe 35. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, Flash Thompson, <laughs> 35-year-old freaking teacher. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. The casting, at least on that part, was a little sketchy. Like Tom Holland and Zendaya, at least they're of age, but Right. Um, that's the ridiculous part of it, but it's worked. It's fine. It's just a little joke. But um, And you saying that, actually, I, uh, I finish your, before I interrupt you, go ahead. Oh, no, please. It, it was nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so they, they missed a huge opportunity in this movie, by the way, in Spider-Man 2, where I don't know if you know the original, like, origin of Venom, but Venom comes from space, which is similar to the way they did it in 3 except he comes from space on an astronaut suit and he actually infects that astronaut. And then that's, that's how it starts. If Mm -hmm. I really wish they would have brought back the the character who was going to marry Mary Jane and, you know, J Jonah Jameson's son and worked him into a point to have that make a little more sense in the third movie, if they wanted to. Um, even, even could have been a cliffhanger in two or something if they wanted to do that, but that was a, they perfect, they, they introduced him as a, an astronaut and, you know, everything. And then they, they didn't use that. So I was bummed that that was not built in a little bit better or just a missed opportunity that I picked out over the years of, of watching this movie. So. It would surprise me if that was the originally intention of it. And then maybe, maybe conflicts with the actor something like that maybe it fell through when they couldn't um 
they couldn't proceed, so they went with uh, Toby, Toby, um, Topher Grace. I'm sorry, Topher. Uh, yeah, Venom. Well, Topher, thank you. So, right, right. But um, that would have been cool. It would have been yeah. better, um, I believe. Yeah, that would have been a neat little add-on. I think would have been something cool to see come from one movie to the next and make it a little bit more. Yeah, trend to the comic books anyway. So. So final notes, I know your all-time favorite here. So uh, any, any final notes yeah. to send off with? Um, rewatch it, give it the time of day, because it is, every movie you've seen superhero-wise, it was influenced by this movie. Um, it's literally an all-time great. That's, I strongly believe that. Yep, million percent. I echo that for sure. And it is probably one of the easiest two-hour movies you will sit down and watch, guaranteed. So Pacing, great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is really well very, done. very well done. Very well done. And as you watch this movie, keep in the back of your mind that you are watching a movie that was made by someone who just wanted to make horror movies. That's all he wanted to do. That's just what he set out well, to do. Well, budget horror movies too. And they were very budget horror movies. Go watch Evil Dead. Uh, if you have not seen the Evil Dead <clears throat> franchise, that is the same director. And Bruce Campbell is brilliant. Those movies are hysterical. Mm and they take they take you through a journey so i definitely wanted to to fill that in the show at some point that you, you got to check out evil dead and his, you know bruce campbell and his boomstick you know ash ash is amazing that is the main character so give it a give it a watch give it a check i'll throw a a link or something to the trailer below so you guys can check out the evil dead trailer as well but excellent excellent franchise just as well a, another trilogy just a contrast here i'm trying to find it in the notes Spider-Man uh, 2 had a budget of $200 million. Evil Dead had a budget of about $300,000. And he cast, like, they're all his friends. Like, Bruce Campbell was friends with mm. uh, Sam Raimi. His brother, I believe, is part of it, or at least in later movies. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a very small, like, he really likes his small uh, practical effects. And um, the Spider-Man franchise was his first big hurrah into mainstream movies. And yep. um, I love it all. For I love it all. I, I People need to watch more Sam Raimi movies, get to know him because he's influential yeah. and he's fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. A million percent. All right, guys. Well, that was another fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Yeah. And thanks again for Trevor coming on and continuing oh, doing these. Thank you. They're thank super you. fun. Uh, we love having you on. We had some really good feedback from everybody last time, and we, we appreciate that and continue. For Hopefully sure. you have more feedback and send it our way. And tune in every Wednesday. We'll be doing another movie reel every week. So look forward to that. And uh, remember, the few different ways you can find us. So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just by searching at Loud Thumbs. And email into us, loudthumbs at gmail.com. And we have Facebook groups. And uh, we have a page on there as well. If you want to try and find us and like the page, we'd appreciate that. YouTube, anybody watching on YouTube, feel free to hit the uh, thumbs up, give us a, give us a thumbs up. That'll help us out. Uh, subscribe to us and leave some comments down there. Let's talk movies and throw us some uh, ideas. What movies you want us to watch or review and, you know, talk about. So any recommendations as well, you want to throw on, we'll, we'll definitely throw some listener recommendations out. I would love to do that. So that is it for this episode. I am out of here, Trevor. Uh, once again, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Until next time, everybody. Stay loud.